Precious Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's Precious Metals News. It's Friday, July 15th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Surprise! But not the good kind. Come to think of it, it's not really a surprise unless you work at the Fed or in the Biden administration or for a mainstream financial network. Of course, I'm talking about inflation. You know, it's like Groundhog Day. Every month, the CPI data comes in hotter than expected. Everybody acts shocked. Gold and silver sell off. The stock market swoons. The Fed ratchets things up just a tiny bit. Rinse, wash, repeat. What most people still seem oblivious to is the Sophie's Choice facing the Fed. Now, if you don't get that literary reference, it's an allusion to the novel Sophie's Choice by William Styron. In the story, a mother arriving at Auschwitz is forced to choose which one of her children is going to be killed. And if she doesn't choose, well, they both die. So here's the real-life scenario for the Fed. Fed Chair Jerome Powell and other members of the central bank have continued to talk tough about inflation. Now, it's important to note that despite all of the caterwauling from the mainstream, it's really been a whole lot more talk than it has been action. Yes, we did get a big 75 basis point hike in June, but given the extent of the inflation problem, this isn't nearly as big as everybody seems to think. And the big balance sheet reduction that was promised to begin in June hasn't really materialized. I mean, it's gone down a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but not nearly as much as they advertised. Certainly not enough to put a dent in the inflation problem. In fact, as evidenced by the latest CPI data, the Fed is falling further and further behind the inflation curve. Nevertheless, we have gotten a lot of tough talk from the Fed and plenty of assurances that they're on the job and they're committed to this big inflation fight. Now, here's the thing. I'm pretty certain that in private, they were desperately hoping to see some cooling in the inflation data so they could start backing out of the ring. They don't want this fight. With a recession Clearly on the horizon, if it's not here already, you can bet that the central bankers don't want to keep tightening monetary policy. But of course, as you probably are well aware, they did not get their wish. The latest consumer price index data really backs the Fed even deeper into a corner, and it brings it ever closer to that Sophie's choice. Because once again, the CPI came in much hotter than expected. So, is the Fed going to kill inflation, or is the Fed going to kill the economy? That's the big question. So, let's dig into the CPI data. We'll start with the headline number. The annual CPI rose 9.1%. That's the biggest jump in consumer prices since November 1981, and the largest increase in this inflationary cycle. Now, the projection was for an 8.8% increase, which honestly would have still been pretty hot, but we're even above that. Month on month, the CPI rose a sizzling 1.3%. The estimate was for a 1.1% rise. Now, confession, I'm a little bit surprised. 
I actually thought we'd see the CPI number cool a bit with gasoline prices coming down. But the drop in oil prices, I guess it happened too late in the month to really impact the overall CPI numbers. That said, I still think the scenario that I laid out a couple of weeks ago will come to pass. There is going to be some cooling in the CPI in the near future, and the Fed will use that as an excuse to back off of the inflation fight. I mean, I think the very first legitimate sign of cooling, and they're done. But anyway, back to the CPI data. Oh, let me do my usual disclaimer when discussing CPI. It is all much worse than this because the cooked government formula understates the extent of rising prices. So when I say 9%, you can pretty much just double that. But we'll use the government numbers for the sake of argument because really that's bad enough, right? So stripping out Food and energy prices, core inflation rose 5.9% on an annual basis. That was just a tick down from last month's 6% print. Month-on-month, core CPI was up 0.7%. That was actually higher than last month's 0.6% read. The projection was for core CPI to cool to 5.7% on an annual basis and 0.5% on a month-to-month basis. So again, CPI on the core basis, running hotter than the analyst expected. And really, this core read is a bigger problem, given that the excuse is Putin's oil prices are causing inflation now, with core not cooling at all on a monthly basis and just barely ticking down annually. That little ditty becomes much harder to sell, right? So granted, energy prices are a big piece of the equation. They were up another 7.5% in June. The energy category has charted a 41.6% annual increase. But there were big price jumps in other categories as well. Medical care costs climbed 0.7% during the month, and rents rose 0.8% in June. That's the biggest monthly increase in rent since 1986. Now, keep in mind, the CPI formula dramatically understands states housing costs. Uh, I'll link to an article in the show notes page that our technical analyst did that breaks down the price increases in the various categories. You can get a much better sense of uh, how prices are rising and really see that it is still very broad and widespread. Now, CPI wasn't the only bad inflation news. Yesterday, producer price data came out. PPI increased 1.1% month-on-month, and it's up 11.3% on the year. That's the biggest jump in PPI since the record 11.6% rise in March. Remember March? Those good old days of peak inflation? Yeah, that didn't age well. In fact, I saw another uh, article the other day. It was from December of 2021, where Joe Biden was talking about how inflation had peaked. So, you know, first it was trans. Well, actually, first there wasn't any inflation. Then it was transitory, and then it had peaked. And I don't know what the excuse is now. I guess who knows? Anyway, so. With the PPI showing a big jump, that means we can expect more rising prices on the consumer side down the road because PPI is a leading indicator and some of those higher costs will likely get passed on to consumers. Now, you don't need me to tell you this, but inflation is crushing the average American. 
Wages are rising, but not nearly as fast as prices. And of course, this always happens in an inflationary cycle. You get rising wages, but they don't keep up with rising prices. According to a separate Bureau of Labor Statistics report that was released Wednesday, average hourly earnings rose by 0.3%, but real wages fell by 1% when you factor in the 1.3% monthly increase in prices. Real wages are down 3.6% year on year. In other words, your purchasing power is 3.6% less than it was this time last year, even factoring in the pay raises that you may have gotten. Now, allow me to take a little side road here. The pace of wage increases has actually slowed a bit. And according to Politico, you should be glad. This is good news. I I just want to take a moment to highlight this as an example of the kind of gaslighting we get from the media and, and also from government spokespeople. This is the actual headline, which, by the way, they later changed. Pay raises are getting smaller. That could be a good thing for workers. So, yes, peasant, be glad you're getting smaller raises. It's good for you. Also, eat crickets. (laughs) So, there is actually an argument behind this, and I guess it seems plausible if you don't know much about economics. The idea is that if companies are paying workers less, it will ease inflation pressure. As I said, it sounds plausible, but it's wrong. It's wrong because the whole argument is based on a bunch of incorrect definitions. So they actually talk about a wage price spiral feeding inflation in the article. But what is a wage? A wage is a price, right? It's the price of labor. So what they're really saying is there is a price-price spiral, which is kind of nonsensical. So that leads to the real problem here. Rising prices don't cause inflation. And rising prices aren't in and of themselves inflation. They are a symptom of inflation, which is properly defined as an increase in the money supply. When the money supply increases, you have more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services, and prices rise higher than they otherwise would. So the symptom is a general rise in all prices, including the price of labor wages. So, in a truly inflationary environment, if employers manage to hold down wage increases, it can't be helpful because it can't erase the cause of rising prices, inflation, the increase in the money supply. It just means you're falling further and further behind. The real cause of slowing wages, if they are indeed slowing, is a slowing economy. So, No, Politico, this is not good news, because next come the layoffs. And then I suppose Politico is going to tell you that not having a job is good for you. So if you'll indulge a really rough segue, this kind of brings us back to the Sophie's choice that the Fed is facing. Here it is. Here's the, the choice. One, keep tightening and risk completely blowing up the bubble economy. Or two, ease off tightening and allow inflation to keep running rampant. So how will Powell and company play this? What choice will they make? As I've said before, it's pretty clear that the Fed is 
pretty much winging it right now. The central bankers don't have a real plan. I mean, they can't tell you what they're going to do in six months. I mean, I'm not even certain right now they can tell you what they're going to do in July. They're simply reacting based on the latest headline data. So it makes sense that a lot of people think the central bank will go with a full 1% interest rate hike at its July meeting. Based on federal funds futures, the chance of a 100 basis point hike at the upcoming meeting shot above 80% right after the release of our June data. That compares to a roughly 1 in 9 chance before the CPI data came out. And for people who are wondering why we're seeing a huge sell-off in gold and silver, even as we have 9.2% inflation, that's the reason. Everybody thinks that the Fed is going to tighten, it's going to get, it's going to go from aggressive to super aggressive, and it's going to tackle inflation, and interest rates are going up, and blah, blah, blah. It's the same old scenario that we've been dealing with for the last, gosh, I don't know, a bunch of months, right? So think back in in the past, just a month, and you'll recall that a 75 basis point hike was off the table until we got a hotter-than-expected CPI report in May. But worried about its credibility, the FOMC members slapped that three-quarter percent increase right down on the table. In a nutshell, what happened is Powell and Company hoped inflation had peaked earlier in the spring, like in March. But with the surprising increase in CPI, I'm using air quotes around surprising, the central bankers felt compelled to go big. Again, they were concerned about their credibility. This is clear from the June meeting minutes, and I actually talked about this in the show last week. Well, given that, the Fed certainly can't back down now, can it? Not with inflation running even hotter than last month, despite the aggressive 75, uh, I'm using air quotes around aggressive now, despite the aggressive 70 point hike that we got uh, last month. So really, here's what I think. If you could get into the little brain of Jerome Powell and the rest of the Fed people, if you could kind of get in there and, and, and hear what they're thinking, they were just hoping, just hoping back last month, that they'd see cooler CPI so that they could back off of this tightening. And then they were hoping, well, we'll go 75 and and maybe that'll do the trick. And and now they're even in a bigger bind. They just keep getting back deeper and deeper into this corner because nothing that they're doing is enough to really tackle inflation. But it is enough to start dragging down the economy. And that is the problem. The economy is already on shaky ground. We had a negative GDP print in Q1, and the Atlanta Fed projects another contraction in Q2. That, my friends, is an official recession. Now, the powers that be keep pointing to the strong labor market. That's really the one thing they've got, right? That's the one thing they can keep pointing at and say, hey, look, the jobs are good. Look at the jobs, jobs over there, jobs. But that's a lagging indicator, and it's starting to lag. Weekly jobless claims jumped to 244,000 for the week ended July 9th. That's the highest since mid-November 2021. And the job report that we got in uh, for, for June, it wasn't bad. But if you read between the lines, there's some shakiness in that data as well. So... Central Banking 101 teaches that you don't hike interest rates into a recession. 
Every time that we've gotten to this point where the economy's gotten rickety, the Fed has pivoted to easy monetary policy to boost up the economy, to blow air into the bubbles, to make everything be okay. So that's the script. That's the act in the play where we're supposed to be now. And the Fed has already driven rates very close to the limit. If rates go much higher, there is every reason to believe that the economy is going to completely implode. In 2018, 2.5% was the max. At that point, the economy got shaky, the stock market crashed, and the Fed went right back to loose monetary policy. Keep in mind, 2.5% isn't particularly tight, but that was as tight as we could get in 2018. After all of those years of artificially low interest rates, after the uh, Great Recession. So in 2019, the Fed cut rates three times and had already gone back to quantitative easing even before the pandemic. The Fed was trying to stop a recession before the pandemic. The pandemic really kind of breathed new life into the Fed. It allowed them to go way overboard with all of the monetary policy, way more than it would have been able to otherwise. And it kind of papered over the problems that were created with all of the loose money and intervention that we got after 2008. I keep repeating this history over and over and over because nobody has ever given me a plausible reason why the Fed can tighten more this time around than it did then. I mean, what makes anybody think that the Fed can push rates to 3 or 3.5% today with even more debt and malinvestment in the economy than it did back in 2018, when it only got to 2.5% with less debt, a smaller balance sheet, less malinvestment? It doesn't make any sense. So kind of here, here's the summation. Here's where we are in simple terms. The Fed blew up a bubble economy during the years after the 2008 financial crisis. The economy started to get a little rickety when it tried to ease off of that loose monetary policy, so they went right back to it. And then we had the pandemic, and the Fed blew up an even bigger bubble economy during the pandemic with artificially low interest rates and by creating trillions of dollars out of thin air. What they did during the pandemic dwarfed what they did after 2008. This inflation led to the spate of rising prices that we're seeing now. When the Fed started tightening monetary policy to fight this inflation, it pricked the bubble. The air is hissing out of the bubble now. We're seeing it in all kinds of different areas in the economy. And the Fed appears poised to pop the economy completely with another big rate hike. Now, The mainstream seems to have resigned itself to a recession, but now we've got a new narrative. The recession is going to be short and shallow, so the Fed is going to be successful in fighting inflation. We're going to have a little recession, no biggie. Never forget, these are the same people who told you there was no inflation, and then inflation was transitory, and then inflation had peaked. In fact, these are the same clowns who said everything was fine back in 2007. If you understand what causes recessions, you understand that the notion that this one is going to be anything but long and deep is a fantasy especially if the Fed really does keep tightening monetary policy. 
I don't think it will. But if it does, you're going to see a depression. So that brings us right back to the question, what will the Fed choose? Now, I've said before, I think we're ultimately going to see rate cuts in QE. I think it will surrender to inflation. I think it's going to use the very first sign of easing CPI to say, okay, we've won. The inflation fight's over. Now we've got to fix the economy. In other words, more inflation. Now, if I'm wrong, again, get ready for economic chaos. Heck, we might just get both. We might end up with stagflation. That's what we have now, right? So really, you know, we're running out of time to prepare. I I don't think that there's any good outcome over the next year or two. Um, You know, I hate to be negative, but I'm negative because just looking at the economic dynamics, looking at the history, looking at the way monetary policy plays into the economy, I don't see any good scenario here. It's a Sophie's choice. There's not a good one. There's no good outcome. So again, now is the time to prepare for what lies ahead, whether it's a deep recession, whether it's more inflation, whether it's both. And there's a good opportunity on the table. Silver right now is below $19 an ounce. That is extremely low. Meanwhile, the silver gold ratio is above 90. It's very wide. Silver is way underpriced. It's undersold no matter what dynamic you look at. You can't expect silver to stay at this level forever. This is silver on sale. So it's a great time to buy. And Shift Gold is offering you an opportunity to cash in a little bit more because they are offering free silver with qualifying orders. So call 1-888-GOLD-160 or Email info at shiftgold.com or go to the Shift Gold website and click on Get Started. And you can chat with a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist right there and take advantage of silver on sale. They're going to run this promotion through next Tuesday. It's a great time. I'm planning on buying a little silver because who doesn't like a sale? Who doesn't like a bargain, right? So do it today. Again, 1-888-GOLD-160. So with that, we've run a little bit long in this show. It's going to be a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of the stuff that I've talked about and more over at shiftgold.com slash news. And of course, you can keep up throughout the week with the latest precious metals news and analysis. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes or on the uh, Shift Gold YouTube channel or at Stitcher. You'll find links to all of this stuff on the show notes page. As always, I welcome emails, mmaharry, M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y, at shipgold.com. Shoot me a note. Love to hear from you. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.